Good morning. Trust you were well. That's fantastic. Welcome again to destroy your family and friends. Fantastic to have you here in the house. You know, um, we got those uh, invitation cards. They're brand new. That's why we put them on your seat. Um, that's not it. That's something else. Uh, I'll put a couple in my wallet. Now, they're not just for us. They are an invitation card. So if you wanted to invite someone to church, for example, and uh, they, you know, they didn't know the address or anything, there you go. It's all there. Uh, you can find out a little bit about us. And so I encourage you, just, just chuck a couple in your, in your wallet or your bag, and uh, that, that always comes in handy. And uh, who remembers every single announcement that we made? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Me neither, okay? But if you go to that QR code, you go to the coming up page, it's all there, all right? There's lots happening in the life of the church, and it's hard to keep up, so encourage you to go have a look at that. Fantastic. All right, today, we're going to keep going with the series that we've been in. We've been in Corinthians for, like, a very long time. It's a very long book, and we're coming to, up to the end. In fact, uh, this week might be the end. Uh, it's chapter 15. There is a chapter 16, but chapter 16 is, is more like personal remarks that Paul makes. But chapter 15 is actually really important. It's, like I said last week, it's one of the most important parts of the Bible. Now, uh, chapters, I should say, of the Bible, one-off, all of it's important, but this is particularly important because it has to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our resurrection as well. Now, if you're first time in church, or you're pretty new, you're like, hey, this is a pretty heavy topic. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. But we believe that the Bible is not just to be encouraging and motivational, which it should be, but also challenging and informative, leading us to wisdom. So at Life and Legacy, we just like to, you know, cover every topic. There's nothing that we leave out because we, well, we believe this is God's word and all of it is useful. So we just go everywhere. And today it happens to fall on the time uh, that we're going to be talking about the resurrection of the dead. Oh, don't think zombie film. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. Um, but if you weren't here last week, I kind of need to fill you in because there's nothing worse than walking in partway through a movie. You know, you're like, who's that guy? What, he, what does he have to do with anything? You know what I'm talking about? You start watching a movie, you don't know how to set up. So we need to just go through a few things uh, so we can, we can all come up to speed. So I've got a couple of rapid-fire questions that I'm going to answer. We're going to put them up on the screen. We're missing the first one, but that's okay. I'm going to read it out here. Is what is Paul talking about in the start of Corinthians 15? Well, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did this really happen? Yes. It happened. And Paul says there were 500 people that saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, more than 500, he said, plus the apostles and everything else. And so it happened in the lifetime, or people, when Paul wrote this, people were still alive that witnessed the resurrection Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. So people can go and ask them, hey, did, did this really happen? Yeah. It's really important. What is the resurrection? Now, the resurrection is not just life after death. 
It is that, but it's more than that. Just about every belief system has some sort of perspective about life after death. Reincarnation, or I know your spirit, one with the universe, or whatever it may be. But the resurrection is the idea that your body is resurrected, your physical body, this body, is resurrected and glorified into a spiritual body. So you have a body, you're not just a spirit being. This is what we're talking about, resurrection. This is what happened to Jesus. This is the gospel. But at the same time, it's not bound by the, physic, by the laws of physics. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I know it's a deep one. If you're here for the first time, we don't talk about this every week, okay? It just happened to be this week. So why is Paul writing about this? Because there were doubters. There were doubters in the Corinthian church. There are people that are saying, really? We're going to rise from the dead? Now, why were there doubters is the next question. Why were they doubting the resurrection? Because in ancient Greece, they had this idea, this philosophical perspective that the body was like a jail cell for the spirit. And so when you died, it's like your spirit was free. And the idea of bringing your body back to life and putting, and, and, and it's like you're back in jail. Why would you do that? And so in the church in Corinth, people started saying, oh, no, no, you're not going to be resurrected from the dead. That's, that's fine. Don't worry about that. And Paul says, hold on. Why does this matter? Does the resurrection matter? And Paul says, yes, it does, because if we, can't, we don't get resurrected from the dead, then Jesus didn't get resurrected from the dead. Then all those 500 people and the apostles that say we saw Jesus rise from the dead are actually lying, and then all of this just falls apart. It's just a book full of lies. So Paul's saying, hold on. You can't just take a cultural system or cultural idea and superimpose it on the gospel and say it'll all be okay because it's got deeper implications. Now that's some good practical advice for us today. We can't just take a cultural perspective and just go, oh, we'll kind of merge, mix that in, and here we go, because it changes the heart of the belief system. So that's why this is really important. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, that's what we're going to go through today. That's what we are going to have a look at. Now, the second part of chapter 15 is actually really long. There's a lot of it. So I'm just going to pick certain uh, sections of it, and we're going to read through that. Who here is involved in some sort of sport or has been involved in some sort of sport, a team, soccer, martial arts, something? Most, like a lot of us, right? Okay, all right. So just a few months ago, I started Taekwondo. Yeah, that's right. You better watch out. I'm a lethal weapon. So me, in my white belt, what are you laughing at? Stop it. <laughs> so here I am. I've started with my two boys, by the way. I've got Micah, who's nine years old, six, uh, Luca, who is six. And there we are. We're in Taekwondo. Um, and so, you know, I, I've start, I joined to encourage them to go and everything. And, and you know, I've started liking it, right? So there I am with my, with my white belt. Now, there's other dads there as well with their kids, but it's mostly kids, right? And because I'm the starter, I, I'm, I'm starting off. I'm here, I'm here with all, all the little kids. And um, now there's other dads as well, but there's a lot of little kids. And they, you know, they, they are flexible. Yeah. 
I'm the energizer bunnies. And, um, and then there's me, <laughs> you know, um, who struggles to sit on the ground cross-legged, you know, that sort of thing. And, um, and, and to make matters worse, the instructor, a fantastic guy, and, uh, you know, he's, he's only a few years older than me, and he'll point out that, you know, that he'll say things like, oh, this is going to be tough for you. Uh, they, uh, at their age, oh, they get it, you know, they, it's, it's, they're so flexible, it's easy, but us, we struggle. And I'm like, man, come on, I'm only 37, but there's never been a point in my life, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I think I'm getting old. <laughs> you know, and you, 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 you're not as flexible, you're not as, you're not as, you don't bounce back. We did a kickathon yesterday, it was a thousand kicks, all right, so uh, just for raising uh, money for charity. And he's like, oh, it's going to hurt you. He didn't say that to my sons. And, you know, you get this, you, I've never felt so like, okay, I've realized that I'm actually getting a bit older than, you know, and this is affecting me because we all know that we peak in terms of physicality somewhere between uh, 20 and 30 years old, and then from then on we decay. Uh, <clears throat> but it, it's like nature is not on our side. <laughs> We get, we understand this. We, we all know the aging process. We all know that, um, that somehow there's some, something in this world that just doesn't seem fair. There's a cosmic reality that impacts us negatively. We don't like it. And at the end of that, there's this thing. I don't want to freak everyone out. I don't want to disappoint them. I know we're a church. We're going to be encouraging, motivational. But the end of that is death. Okay, can freak some people out. Someone just had a realization. And so the hope that is part of the Christian faith system is one, not just of this life, which there is, there's a lot of hope in this life when for those who are following Jesus. But it is, it is an eternal hope. So what went wrong? What happened and what will happen? Well, the next five verses that we read, it covers all of that. The Apostle Paul is talking to the people in Corinth, and he kind of goes through and explains, look, this is what happened, this is what went wrong, and this is what is going to happen, and this is what God is doing about it. It's only five verses, but it's really deep, okay? So before we go there, let's pray together. Father, we come before you, and we ask that you would speak into our hearts, that you would bring transformation, that you would... Uh, bring revelation that light bulbs will go off and we start to understand things that we've never understood before, that your Holy Spirit would speak directly to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Chapter 15, verse 21. For since death came through one, through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Who's he talking about? He tells you. For as Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Do you know the story of Adam? Adam disobeyed. Adam rebelled. Adam brought sin into the world. And oh God, what, there, there was brokenness in the world, and that brokenness led to de death. Have you ever realized that um, when you break something, it doesn't necessarily get better by itself? Like you, you, you get a cracked windscreen, and you're driving around. Does it disappear? 
No, it gets worse, so the whole thing is destroyed. I've never walked out of my house once and go, wow, my lawn is mowed without me doing anything. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? You know, I mean, just uh, the dishes are done. They did themselves. Like if you, if you walked, if you walked uh, uh, across a new, brand new house, right, that was built, and you go, wow, look at that. And someone, I oh, don't know what happened. It happened by accident. Like, you know, that, that, that boggles the mind. Things, it's, it's actually a physical law that we learned in uni. I'm, my background is, a, uh, is uh, as a mechanical engineer. It's called the law of entropy. It's that things tend towards chaos. Things tend, like, you know, things don't clean up themselves. Things don't unbreak themselves. Things tend towards chaos until there is work put in to bring it back into order. So it's the law of entropy. And so we see the law of entropy at work in this world, and that is because of Adam, what happened all the way over there, led to brokenness, broken relationship with God, broken relationship with people, and now we see the results of that. And I know we're doing a good job generally, you know, we've got good medicine that helps our bodies, we've got democracy that limits people's power, but we know there's evil still in the world. Civilization holds back, it's what they call common grace. It holds back the evil that things could, could be like. But we understand that, that there is evil in this world and the possibility of things getting really bad. We understand that because there is something with us that says, within us that says things are not quite right. Things are not as they should be. But Paul says here there is a second character. There is a second man, the work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus came to bring life. Jesus came to bring wholeness. Jesus came to bring abundant life and sustainability. All the things that we are longing for in this world, we want longevity, we want sustainability, we want a future for, for our kids, but at the same time, we've got this understanding that there's, this, there's something wrong, there's cosmically something wrong. And Jesus steps on the scene and says, I'm the... I'm the one to fix it. I'm the one to change it. So we have a world of darkness or world of death, and you have a world of life or world of light or the kingdom of God. They're all different names of the same thing. And Paul is talking about how this, this, this is coming together to form an end. All right, so you're with me. All right, so, so you good? You with me? All right, okay, we're covering a lot of ground, a lot of content today. Here we go. But in turn, Jesus, the first fruit, so he's the first one, all right? In turn, Jesus. Then when he comes, those who belong to him, he's talking about the second coming, then the end will come and he hands over the kingdom to God after he destroys all dominion, authority, and power. There's dominion, authority, and power associated with the world of darkness, and the work of light, the work of life, the sustainable, abundant life that we all really long for, we all really want, we feel in the depths of our hearts, that's what we were made for. And we don't really find it in this world of darkness because it's not here completely. There's aspects of it through the work of Jesus Christ, certainly in community and in and, and, and the beauty in our children and family, there's aspects of it. But the whole part of the wholeness of salvation, we do not experience. We all sense that there's something mm, that we just try, can't, 
And I, if I get that job, if I get that right person if, in my life, if I, if I get that, you know, right number of Instagram followers, if I, you know, if I get that star thing on um, uh, the, my, my video on TikTok goes viral or whatever it is, it'll make my life better. No, it won't. There's something that is always going to be wanting because that is something of eternity that is not yet given to us. But is there, is coming. And the promise is this, that there will be all dominion, authority, and power. And, here, and here, here it goes, verse 25. It says, for he must reign until all his enemies, uh, enemies, I'm going to read that again. He will reign until, all, until he has, oh my goodness. I'm just going to, someone else, give it a go. I'm going to read up here. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. I can read. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. Put your hands together. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so this is what he's trying to say. In the old days, when a king won against another king, they would literally bring him down, and they would step on his neck as a sign that I control. This is now my place. I control the space, not you anymore. And what Paul is saying is that there will come a time in the end of all things, and we'll talk about what that looks like, okay? And of all things, when the, the, the order of this world and how things work and death and suffering and, and pain and, and, and destruction will be placed, he will destroy it. It will be placed underneath his feet. And what will reign is wholeness, life, abundant, abundance, and sustainability, longevity. That's the hope. Like, I don't know why you're following Jesus, but I hope this is part of it. Like, if you're just following Jesus just for the hope of this world, Paul says, if we have hope just for, this will, for just for this world, we of all people are to be pitied. It is more. The hope goes beyond. It is greater. Now, Paul says that this is what it does to his life, and you're going to read it in verse 30. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If I fought with beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? He's saying if there is no resurrection, why do I put myself through this? Paul, if you know a little bit about Paul, he traveled around. He got himself into a lot of trouble because he believed the gospel. He believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and therefore people will be saved from their sins, have a, have a life, have an abundant life, a meaningful life, a purposeful life, not just a happy life. We're going to talk about that in just a second, okay? But a meaningful life, and that there was an eternal purpose for us, our lives, and our bodies. Okay, that's what, that's what Paul is saying. And he's like, why do I place myself in danger all the time if there's nothing to come? Why would I bother doing that? And he says this, What have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Okay, so he's borrowing that statement from Isaiah. And what was happening in Isaiah at the time was there was a particular city that was surrounded by an enemy. And the next day, they were going to break in. And they were going to kill people, and they were going to take the rest away into, into slavery. That's generally what happened in those sort of conflicts. And so the guys were like, tomorrow's going to be a bad day. But tonight, we're going to party. Eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, that's a hopeless way of living. But it is a way of living. It's like, 
well, I don't have any future. I don't have any purpose. I'm just going to make it what it is. I'm going to live it to the full. I'm going to live my life the way I want to because this is all I have. That's a way to live. And when you look, you know, maybe you're here and you don't believe in God. And, you know, I respect everyone's beliefs. And, you know, the materialistic um, or materialism is the idea that there is nothing. There is no spiritual world. There is only what we see and what we touch and what we feel. Now, if that were true, there's going to be an end. People tell us, scientists, that uh, the cosmos is expanding and will turn around and come back. And apparently, like the Big Bang, is how we will go out. So there is nothing, there is, there's, all you have is this life. Eat, drink. For in three billion years, everyone dies. <laughs> that's not, now that's a little bit of a straw man, I get it. But that's a mentality. There is nothing to come. There is nothing to come. It's, this life is what you make of it. That's not a Christian idea. The Christian idea, this is just part. This is just part. This is just even a small part of what is to come. Now, there was a particular program that I watched that helped me to understand this in levels of deepness in terms of theology, really, really deep. Um, it, was that, it was the animation called Puss in Boots. You seen that? Puss in Boots? You seen it? Okay. Well, if you haven't, if you haven't seen Puss in Boots, here's something you need to know. Cats have apparently nine lives. You know that? And so what happens in Puss in Boots is that, you know, Puss, or is his name Puss in Boots? I don't know. I'm going to call him Puss in Boots. All right. So Puss in Boots, um, he has nine lives, and so he's doing crazy stuff. He's jumping off cliffs. He's, you know, getting shot out of cannons and, and, and that sort of thing. And every now and then again, he dies. And he's fine with that because he's got nine lives. Okay? So he lives on the edge. But the movie starts, and we realize that this was his eighth life. All right? So he's only got one left. And, you know, and he's all, he's all depressed about life. He's like, you know, I can't, I can't be the same person. I can't do the same things that I used to. I'm going to be different. And, um, you know, his lady friend, his lady cat friend, um, he's telling him, oh, how, you know, it, that's what makes life beautiful. This highly intellectual, sophisticated narrative. I'm kidding, right? It's cartoon. But it shows us some truth, right? That if you had nine lives, you would live differently. If you had one life, we lived the way we do. But if you had one life that led into eternity, that should make a difference to how you live. If you had one life that led into eternity, and this life actually mattered for eternity, that would make a difference. So Paul says this. He says, why do I put myself in danger in situations that I don't want to be in if I don't believe in the resurrection of the dead? It makes no sense. What we believe should, about eternity will transform how we live now. This is not just something that's going to come. This is something that affects us right now. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? And so, and so Paul says, and Paul says, man, th this really matters to me. You know, have you, have you realized that there's a real emphasis on happiness in our world? Happiness. You know, let's be happy now. It doesn't matter what it costs us in the future. Let's get it now. Now, how did Jesus live? Because we're followers of Jesus. How did Jesus live? Did he live out of impulse? Did he do what made him happy and comfortable right then and there? No, he died on a cross and he chose to do it. 
He had people against him. You know, it wasn't particularly easy for him, but he lived in meaning and he lived in purpose. We are called not just to live out of impulse. We're called to live out of purpose. And out of that, the byproduct is satisfaction and happiness. We all know that life goes up and down. There are beautiful, joyous times. There, there are times of endurance. There's sorrow. You know, we, we just this morning, we celebrated a little baby that was beautiful. Yesterday, we were commemorating the loss of a loved one. And, and, and we will uh, again throughout the week. Life is full of up and down. But the thing is, is can we put all of this together in something purposeful and meaningful? And Paul says, yes. Yes, it is all valuable. If you're not just living for happiness, just what makes you feel good right now, eat, drink now, for tomorrow we die anyway. If you are living for meaning and purpose, all of it comes together for something good, for an eternal purpose. We don't have time to go through all of that, but we will, we will. Now, here's some questions, some practical questions. How in the world does this happen? What will we look like? You know, how, how, what does this all mean for us? You know, there's some practical questions. And Paul knows what's coming. Paul, Paul's, Paul's a great pastor. He knows the practical questions once he's talking about the resurrection of the dead, and he hits them head on. In verse 35, he says, but someone will ask, all right? Someone over here is thinking, how does it all work? It sounds all a little bit crazy. How does it work? But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Is that a good question? So Paul's preempting it. He's just trying to, he's just trying to show us. And I love how, how, how you know, he, he has this pastoral heart that he, he cares for people. And look at his response. Next verse. <laughs> how foolish. <laughs> how foolish. The, King James, the, the old King James Version says, Thou fool. <laughs> how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And reading on from verse 35, 37. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. So what, what he's saying is, look, your life right now, is a seed. You see, you don't plant a flower. You don't plant a tulip. You plant a seed. You plant a bulb. And what we have right now is just the DNA of what is to come. Or you're planting a seed. And he says, oh, look, he asks a question. Like, how will this work? What will happen? You know, you have the, all those questions like, hey, you know, what if someone dies young? Or what will they look like? Or what if someone dies at 104? Or how about those bodies that, are, you know, thousands of years that have been decomposed and all these sort of questions. And Paul, Paul says, look, it is a spiritual work. God rises the body. How will it look? Now, if you have a dodgy knee, like I sometimes do, and I'm working on it, and you get into heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. God's created everything and recreated uh, resurrected bodies and so on. And you're, and you're still limping around. Something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> your, your, your resurrection was half-baked. <laughs> you know, you need to go see the complaints department or something, right? 
Something has gone wrong. Because it says here in verse 42, what will the body be like? It says, so it will be in the resurrection of the dead that the body sown perishable will be raised imperishable. That means that the body will not see decay. It will be sown in dishonor. It will be raised in glory. It will be glorious. If you could see yourself, your future self, your future body, you would not want to be anyone else. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown as a natural body. It is raised as a spiritual body. So you get this picture of what someone will be like. It's not quite... It's, 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 it's a spiritual body, but it's not a spirit. You know that, you know those pictures of, you know, what we'll be doing in heaven? Apparently, we're sitting on a cloud playing a harp, you know? I don't know about you, but that is just so boring. Why would you ever want to do that? You know? No, there's, there's, there's something else going on. The Bible's not clear. It's not explicit about it, but we have a body. We have a purpose. We see the body of Jesus Christ. It was, it was different. He could... He was not bound by the laws of physics, but yet he wanted, to, he wanted to eat. He was hungry. His body was different, but yet he said, look at the scars in my hands. So we see that there are, there are, there's something that we are that gets transferred into the time to come. But it's not quite what we are now. It's glorified. It's imperishable. It's powerful. It's a spiritual body. Now, there were some people that didn't recognize Jesus. Now, Jesus died when he was 33 years old. Perhaps he looked 10 years younger. I'm just, perhaps. Maybe that's why they didn't recognize him. Have you seen someone, a photo of someone that was 10 years younger? And how they looked? We've got a couple up in the, uh, uh, 10 years younger. This was a while ago. We have this photo. Are we going to bring it up? That was about 13 years ago, and uh, about 13 kilos ago, um, unfortunately. Okay, let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it. Thank you. Real quick. Come on. What, you, what you're going to come back uh, as, who knows? I don't know. The Bible's not explicit about it. But it says you will come back in glory. You will come back in power. You'll come back, not a natural body, but a spiritual body. There will be something that is uniquely you about it, but not quite what you see in the mirror now. And Paul says, that's the great hope. Paul says, it's not for this world. It is for the world to come that is eternal. There is no perishing. There is no decay. There is full sustainability. It is self-sustaining. It is longevity. It is home. It is wholeness. It is where I belong. It is where I belong with my people. It is where I, it, it, the best word for it is home. Home. And that's why, you know, the old school people, some of the old Christians, they'll say things like, he's gone home, brother. It's true. It's home. Where there is none of this darkness of this world, this pain, the decay, the depression, the anxiety, the worry, the hate. The old things are over. He has taken that. He's broken the dominion, the power. He's placed it under his feet. And it says here in summary that the, the, the last enemy that he will defeat is death. There will be no death. Verse 55, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death 
is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor is not in vain. What's he saying? Go hard. Go hard. Live a purposeful life. Don't just look for uh, just, just temporary satisfaction. Put your effort into your relationships. Put your effort into your family. Put your effort into your work. Do things that are the hard way that are meaningful and, and sustaining and give you satisfaction long term. Don't live in a way like eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Let's, let's just use this body. This body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is going to be resurrected for an eternal purpose. Let's live that way. This is, this is what the Bible teaches. So what's it mean for us? We're people of hope, not just for this world, but the one to come. And we understand that not everyone believes that. I get that. I've done my fair share of uh, science, and I know my fair share of good friends that are atheists, and I respect everyone's opinion. But what we believe changes the way we live. It really does. And the fact that you will be an eternal being how does that change your perspective now? It's important that we know that. Can I get Kent on the keys as we finish up this morning? <clears throat> to some people over here, this kind of is just a, well, that was weird. <laughs> that was odd. And I understand in the secular culture why, why you would think that. To some of us over here, this is of great hope. This is something that people have not talked about because, well, it's a bit odd to talk about it, isn't it, on a Sunday morning? It makes people feel awkward. But when you change your perspective of the future, it changes your perspective of now. What does it mean to you? How will your life, how will you live your life now, week to week? What's it mean for your committed relationships? What's it mean for your money? What's it mean for your time, your career choices? What's it mean for how you treat the people that you don't like? We all have them. <laughs> Maybe they're even sitting next to you. I'm kidding. Don't, don't, I'm just, that was a joke. That was a joke. How do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with hate? How do you deal with the dominion and the powers of this world that you feel oppress you? Do we just curl up and say, hey, make the best of it, for tomorrow we die? No. We've got hope. We've got purpose. All things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His Purpose, purpose, purpose. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this moment where we can go through into something that is a, a little bit hard to go through, talk, a, little, a little bit hard to talk, talk about. But we thank you that the whole scripture is useful for 
encouraging and correcting and rebuking and so on. I pray that your people here will be encouraged, will be transformed, will be built in wisdom so they can make decisions about their lives. But most of all, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're changing hearts right now, like only you can. The people are encountering the presence of God. The transformation is happening. I want to just give us a moment, a moment in quietness. Only you know what's going on in your heart and in your life, and maybe there's some decisions that you need to make with God. So I just want to give us 60 seconds, if that's okay, in quietness. Father, I just pray for every person here. Pray for your blessing upon them, upon their families. I pray where there is hurt, that you would be there to heal. Where there is anxiety, that you would bring peace. Where there is confusion, that you would bring direction. Where there is brokenness, that you will bring wholeness that people would seek the healing work of your son, Jesus. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Fantastic. Hey, welcome to church. Uh, thank you so much for being here, especially the Stroya family and friends and so on. Uh, it's great to have you here as our guest. Want well, to grab us on us a coffee? Uh, please uh, let our coffee team know uh, who you are, and uh, and our host team. We would love to uh, take care of you. Don't forget tomorrow we have our life fest happening. Come along; it's going to be a lot of fun. Bring some friends; it's going to be pumping. It'll be great to see you. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.